truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, although Facebook does not like us, so you need to like us there a lot. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter at least for the time being, until they decide they don't like us either, at Steve Dace Show. It is a Dace Group Thursday, because we're out of here tomorrow for a little vacation time. After today, you won't have to take a look at our mediocre mugs again until Wednesday. Wednesday's when we're coming back, right, guys? Wednesday? It is Wednesday. Okay. Yep. Uh, So we'll be out of here for uh, essentially look at like a, a spring Thanksgiving day break. You know, where you get the five days for the Thanksgiving weekend. So we'll have uh, best ofs and fill-ins while we're gone. So we're going to do the day group today. However, next hour, we will still do Theology Thursday as we typically do as well. So all of that coming up and more. I was looking at a video clip right before we got started uh, here this morning of uh, Josh Hawley, the uh, new senator from Missouri. He's making a bit of a name for himself in the way that he is choosing to vet judicial nominees, not just rubber stamping somebody because uh, uh, Trump's a Republican who appoints good judges. He's actually vetting people. And he is. Uh, there's a clip out right now of him uh, essentially tearing apart. Uh, a tear, and, and the Trump administration has appointed some good judges. They've appointed some that, uh, a couple of them that were like, eh. And this guy that they have up there right now is one of those, eh. All right. I mean, I mean, it, it, you know, trite things like comparing Catholicism to the KKK, you know, little things like that. And you're like, um, those are the nominees we thought we'd get if the other gal won, right? And so there's this clip of him uh, taking this guy down. And um, we need more of that. You know, you can be thankful that Hillary lost. You don't have to roll over, though, and play dead at the same time. And that's what our friends at FreedomWorks are doing as well. They are not happy about what the Trump's Department of Health and Human Services is doing right now with letting foreign governments uh, dictate the prices of your medicine. So they're trying to get the attention of Secretary Alex Azar over there at HHS uh, and saying, hey, uh, fix patients, uh, not prices. Uh, doing what you're doing, continuing down this road of helping the left import socialism into America uh, will lead to shortages of vital medicines, set medical research back decades, maybe even make it harder for researchers to find treatments and cures for the hor- most horrible diseases among us today. So if this is a message that uh, you want to lend your voice to uh, and say, hey, uh, over there at HHS, you guys need to start keeping the president's promise to put America first. If you agree with this, go to freedomworks.org slash DACE. That's the website. Freedomworks.org slash my last name, D-E-A-C-E, and lend your voice of support to the cause to help FreedomWorks get the attention of the White House. Freedomworks.org slash DACE. It's time for the DACE group. (laughs) 
Your weekly look at the week that was. Todd and Aaron is here, along with uh, New York talk show host Shannon Joy as well. It's brought to you by our friends at Patriot Mobile, America's only conservative mobile phone company, veteran-led. And they want you to know that, hey, you basically can't do business in America today without a mobile phone. And they all pretty much have the exact same network coverage as they're even saying so in their advertisements against each other now. So really, the big difference is where they spend your money after you spend it with them. And that's where Patriot Mobile comes in. They're going to support organizations and values like yours. So they're going to spend their extra money on things like PragerU and Alliance Defending Freedom and not big tech that's trying to stifle organizations and voices like theirs and yours. If you want to make the switch, why wait when there are plans as low as $25 a month? 1-800-A-PATRIOT is the number you can call them right now. 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Use the code BLAZE when you call in. They'll waive your activation fee or we'll make it even simpler for you. Uh, Just go to the website. All right. PatriotMobile.com slash blaze. PatriotMobile.com slash blaze. And they'll waive the activation fee there for you online as well. Let's get to issue one. Bleep, Democrats say. This is nothing short of an all-out assault on women's reproductive freedom. And it's not just an attack on women. It's an attack on anyone who can or might get pregnant, including transgender men and gender non-conforming people. What limits would you put on abortion? When does a life end then? You and the rest of you ignorant. And we will protect access to abortions for all. Your position is racist and sexist. When are these legislators gonna give a about the baby once it's born? What would you say to taxpayers out there who say, look, I support everyone having their own freedoms, but that when it comes to my tax dollars, abortion isn't something that I want to support? You know, uh, we have a tenet in our constitution, it's called separation of church and state, and uh, I do not believe that that is a valid argument. Scientists, those who are studying the same things that you are studying, tell us that we have 10 years within which to act, to free this country from a dependence on fossil fuels and fully embrace renewable energy. Science is very clear, we cannot burn all the coal we have Uh, in the future decades or it will destroy the the country, literally. This is a scientific fact. With five kids that have died, 5,000 separated from their families, I feel like, and the evidence um, is really clear that this is intentional. It's intentional. It's a policy choice being made on purpose by this administration and it's cruel and inhumane. You can't say you're a Democrat if you're against immigrants, if you're against abortion, if you're against gay marriage and LGBTQ rights. I'm not sure what it means to be a Democrat if, if all of those things are true. Identity politics is exactly who we are and it's exactly how we won. We should begin impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump. Whenever you know I think about this and what he really deserves, I think we should turn him over to the Saudis. You know, his buddies, the same Saudis, you know, who got rid of that reporter. You know, maybe they could do the same for him. Much of what we're celebrating is that I know that when Ilham prays, when I pray, when Rashida prays, when Ayana prays, when Jan Schakowsky prays, I believe that those prayers all go to the same place. All that stuff you guys believe in, and you still voted not for Hillary or for Trump. Where are you now? But the big gamble is to go all the way to November 2020, which I agree, and lose. 
It's the end of democracy. One of the things I stopped doing was I do not uh, read the news at night because I, I was waking up um, in the middle of the night from nightmares of just screaming. I was in a boardroom. There was a long board. There was a long table, and it was just the guy who's in the Oval Office right now sitting there, and I walked in, and I was screaming, screaming, don't you care about the next year? I mean, I was going crazy and screaming at him and yelling, and that was 2016, and I woke up in a sweat, and I went, oh, my God, I've gone insane. First question, your favorite bit of crazy highlighted this week by Aaron Todd or is what? Oh, there's so much. I, my favorite, I think, though, is the uh, the the governor, right, of Montana? Yep. Yes. Who just says nothing. I think that's my favorite. Um, when think, asked when asked what limits, yeah. if any, would you put on abortion? It, it, Might I suggest that if, if you believe in ritualistic child sacrifice and you come under the glaring heat uh, that only a cross-examination from Chuck Dodd can produce, and and you don't have any good answers. If you wanted, folks, any other further proof of what I've been telling you on yeah. this show daily uh, for the last two weeks, there are that's... no arguments. There's nothing to be afraid of. All, their argument is the old that old broad yes. in that clip, just yeah. F you, F you screaming. It's a cult. There aren't any arguments. Just shut them down and defeat them. There, there's no reason in the public square. They don't have any reasons. That's exactly the argument I was going to make. It, the, the silence there, you might think that that's an outlier, but that's showing you uh, what's underneath all of that screaming. It's why they choose the screaming and the lying and the pejoratives all the time. It's because they have to cover up for that guy is inside of all of them. They, they, they just don't know. All they want is what that id wants. Mm. Shannon, what was your favorite uh, bit of crazy this week? It's always a treat for me to see that, guys. It's one of my favorite, uh, uh, you know, my, my favorite things to do each week. I have to say, I have to go with the woman who was protecting abortion rights for LGBTQ and transgender men. <laughs> and gender like, gender nonconforming uh, people can have uh, yes. babies, too. I'm yes. glad they finally right. have their he, intersectionality he ducks in a row. Their premise. I mean, we really have descended into an absurd time where reality doesn't matter, facts don't matter. And I mean, the, the pretzels that they twist themselves into, it, it's, it's hilarious to watch. Again, you know, th these reels always make me laugh and then they make me cry when I realize that we keep losing to these losers. I mean, this is, they, I mean, they are ripe for the picking right now. And the idea that we lost the house to these guys, that we're not capitalizing on the crazy, on the fact that they are just coming out of the woodwork, exposing themselves in every way possible is, is something that keeps me up at night, frankly, because we, I mean, this is a time when we should be just shoving through policy initiatives. This is the perfect time for us to win. And, and it's, um, it's funny, but it's also sad at the same time. I mean, Shannon, Aaron caught this yesterday, and I missed it upon the initial viewing because I was so focused on the fact that Tim Ryan is supposedly the last moderate Democrat left and the one that was going to challenge Nancy Pelosi from the center in the party the last couple of years. And he's at that uh, Planned Butcherhood rally. And I just I was fascinated that he's the one now uh, that feels like and he's trying to run for president, too. Isn't he one of the 23, I believe. Mm -hmm. And Aaron's the one that pointed out that if you watch that clip, he's he literally says those pro-lifers don't give a turd about the baby after it's born. Their arguments are so devoid of reason. 
that they're now actually just going to even just open their mouth and admit it's a child, it's a human life, because it's it's a mob frothing at the mouth. This isn't, there's no reason happening here. Well, and there's something to be concerned about. You know, a, a radical leftist Marxist in Chicago just took out Rahm Emanuel, with, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, if we look at what's happening in, and you look at Bill de Blasio in New York City, the mayor of New York City in, in New York, you look at the politics. I mean, the, the politics of the nation tend to follow the politics in, in California, in New York, in Chicago. And if that's any indication, we're in big trouble. It, you know, we are looking at a, a radical leftist party that, you know, the choices in the 21st century being radical leftists. Uh, tyrannical leftists versus kind of moderate socialists, which is what the Republican Party is kind mm-hmm. of morphing into. And uh, this basically, is it's the Democratic Party in 1996 versus the Communist Party. That, that's yeah. essentially what the two parties are right now. Yeah. The Republican Party is where the Bill Clinton DLC, Todd just bowed his head, and I'm not sure if he's in prayer or sackcloth, but essentially the Sorry. Republican Party is, is where the Bill Clinton Democratic Party was in the mid 90s. You know, when he started off radically left and then got killed in the 94 midterms and then kind of moved more to the center. So that's where, and he had the dot-com boom and a big economic boom like Trump has going on right now. Right. This is the best you know, GDP growth we've had since that era. So essentially the Republican Party is the, Dem- the Democratic Party in the mid-90s uh, and the Democratic Party has just become a Marxist party. I, I completely agree with you on that front. Aaron, your, your favorite uh, high on your own supply from this week. In completely unrelated news, and according to U.S. News and World Report, the average salary of a plumber is around $52,000. The average salary of an electrician is over $54,000. The average salary of a logistician, somebody who can figure out the best way to get things to different places at the best time, is $74,000. So parents, you can send your kids to a university where they'll probably go tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt in the gender studies department where they'll end up being arrested for stealing a pro-lifer's sign, or you could send them to a trade school where they'll make enough money to support you as Social Security becomes insolvent when you're old and decrepit. Tough choice. So all those dollar figures that Aaron put out of those occupations, by the way, are all well over the, the median income in America. All right, The median income in America for an individual is about $46,000 a year, which, by the way, is, is higher than the median income in about 97.5%, seriously, of the population globally. And, and here are basic jobs, like plumber, where those are high-skilled work, don't have to go to college, don't have to rack up all this debt. And you end up, when you look, you know, you could, you could make eighty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year with a quarter of a million of student loan debt, or you can make fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year and not have that. I mean, truck drivers, Walmart right now is advertising everywhere in America, truck drivers at $73,000 a year. $73,000 a year, folks. Okay? That's rich. Like, you can yeah. be rich. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I, I don't want to, it would depress me for me to inform the audience how long I worked in this industry until I made $73,000 a year. And I don't want Aaron to quit on me already. All right, but let's just say it took a while. <laughs> okay. I mean, why aren't more parents 
you know, my daughter is was a really good student, but didn't really have anything in particular. Our oldest that just graduated, anything in particular that she thought I, I really got to go to college right now and learn how to do this, you know. And she's uh, she's started working at Justice in the Mall, which is you know a tween clothing store. If you don't have daughters, and um, she's worked her way up to assistant manager, and she's like, I don't know that I'm in a hurry to go to college or if I'll go at all. Are you? And I'm like, then don't go. You know, I mean, you started working there when you were 16 in five or six years, you could be the, who knows, you could be the manager of several justices and make 70, 80, $90,000 a year and not have any of that debt to go along with it. Why aren't more parents encouraging this, Todd? Well, it's part and parcel of everything we talk about. Why do we just have the montage that Aaron showed us before? It's all the same. We are, pound for pound, the most educated people in the history of mankind. I, I think that's objectively provable. The amount of time that each individual spends in something called a school, an education, I, it, that's never uh, been rivaled. But we are simultaneously the shallowest people on the face of the earth because what you're doing there has very little to do with actual uh, education. It is propaganda. I recall back, and this is one of the things I remember most when I was in high school and when I was starting to have the light bulbs go off in my head about what's this, the difference between a liberal and conservative. There was this thing back there, the fad was called tracking. It, and it was the, it was the notion that it, it was, there was an injustice if we were artificially blue collaring people before their time and that college was clearly being painted as as the best good and that you know, it's nice that there's some kind of safety net called plumbers and electricians that can serve us and we need those jobs we need you to pick our lettuce and you have some place to go isn't that nice a little pat on the head but college that's where all that, that's where the good people go that was already going on back so i'm we're talking in the late 80s um that that is wicked that is nonsense it has caused all manner of people to go to college and begin the ruining of their lives uh because when that thing is elevated to such a height this thing called college you have to do and it is so unfulfilling at such an age in your life a lot of people never recover from that not just the debt but but the sense of purpose that's what learning is mm-hmm you 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 are rewired in a fundamental existential way that clearly people never recover from. Mm. Shannon, what do you think? You know, it, it's interesting. I think that Todd hit the nail on the head. There is an education industrial complex and it's funded by the federal government and starts in kindergarten and you are indoctrinated and and Todd's right this started when I was in high school as well. And the idea was, if you don't go to college, you're a loser. And so I made sure I went to college. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was 17. The idea that we have 17-year-old kids who have no idea what they want to be when they grow up, sign on the dotted line for fifty to hundred to now $250,000 in debt that they will be paying off for the rest of their Not lives. Not to mention all the credit card applications they inundate you with while you're there right. as well. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that was me. What did I do at college? I partied. I was a business major. Yep. I partied. I got in a lot of trouble. And then, you know, I, I developed a lot of bad habits that I've been trying to break ever since. Right. So this is what happens. You know, and I came from a good a good household. And so, you know, this is because public education indoctrinates kids, um, you know, with the help of government to, uh, you know, a, a basically a racket. And, you know, I'm really thrilled that people are beginning to look at, you know, plumbing, electricians, some of the, the blue collar jobs. But 
But beware, the federal government is getting involved with that as well. As they've seen, as they're seeing the college education facade begin to crumble, Americans are work are, are waking up to this. They are beginning uh, the process of, this is why you see the, the references to workforce development. Betsy DeVos, the Department of Labor merging with the Department of Education, merging with Health and Human Services. All of those trade, you know, as the government begins to subsidize anything, what happens to it? It, it increases in price. So, you know, this is because of, you know, the government coming in and artificially inflating the cost of something and then propaganda occurring at it from a very young age. And I'm encouraging my kids to delay college. Uh, my husband and I are both educated. My husband is a doctor. He's a PhD in psychology. But we're beginning to have those conversations with, with our children about waiting, gap year. Yes, sure, go to college, but pay for it little by little. Try community college first. Get a job first. That is the first skill for any kid to get up, get out of bed, make it to work, and you know work for a boss that you might not like. But do those things first, travel, military, Peace Corps, whatever. But the idea that they know at 17 what they want to be for the rest of their lives is ludicrous. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And yes, we get a lot of uh, people our, in our friend group on the street uh, they, that think I'm crazy. And I'm preparing my kids. When you go to school, you're going to have a lot of pressure uh, to, to attend college. But, you know, we're having those conversations now. And I think parents should. Aaron, give me your generation's view of this in about a minute. Well, I, I, you've heard the old axiom, uh, the brain has determined that the brain is the most important organ <laughs> in the human body. Um, this is why the long march, uh, Gramsci's long march through the institutions always starts seemingly um, at the uh, point of education. And that's where this really all began, especially in the 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. And even prior to that, as some of the great thinkers from the great German universities came over, and so it became a self-fulfilling prof prophecy that the smart people started saying, you must go to school, and then everybody must go to school. It's the great lie that everybody must go to these universities. And then when the universities um, started costing more and more, and then the government got involved by making student loans available to everyone because the smart people said everybody needs to go to school, then the cost became more and more. And then the, uh, you know, the universities produced more smart people, it, it, essentially really, really stupid, or really, really dumb smart people. People. Um, and it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is a circle that is not and it should not be. It, well, it's a circle that is not intended to be broken unless people start to think, hey, no, I, I don't have to conform to this. I don't have to go uh, thousands of dollars and tens of thousands of dollars into debt in order to get a degree that won't actually not be a good paying job. Exit question. And I just want a yes or no answer. We're going to have free college within five years, Todd. No. No? Okay. Shannon. Oh, I don't know. Yes or no? Maybe not five, but ten. Okay. Aaron. No. No? Okay. I think the answer is yes, by the way. Although I normally don't answer my own questions, but yeah, I think I think the answer is yes. And I think if Trump gets reelected, the odds will be higher. You typically <laughs> see this. It's just typically you see this. The Republicans yeah. end up cutting the deal with the Democrats Golf to clap. make it not as to make it not as expensive. Yeah. I love and it. If, it's, and if a Democrat yeah. gets if gets elected yeah. in twenty twenty, the Republicans will all oppose it. That's my favorite answer of the show. Okay. It is. Um, it would be. You don't have a. You don't have a stop sign at your dinner table. Do you guys have one? I no. do actually. You, Just kidding. I would not have been surprised. Yeah. 
That's why I didn't ask you. I looked at him. I, I knew I knew what your answer. If the if the potential answer for you is creepy, then it, it's an affirmative. <laughs> I've, I've kind of learned that. All right. Uh, but uh, there is a stop sign uh, in your body. Uh, your creator, nature, gave you one. It's called OEA. Problem is, for some of us, that uh, that stop sign, that signal from the gut to the brain is weaker than it should be, particularly as we get older. It tends to weaken as well. And Riduzone wants to do something about that. This could be the missing link in why you've been losing the battle against the bolt, uh, even though you have been trying to live right and make the right decisions, uh, that signal just may be weak, and therefore your metabolism is out of whack as well. That's where Riduzone comes in. It's not a stimulant. Uh, it doesn't have any caffeine. This is really just about putting the OEA back in your system when you eat so that when you're full, you'll stop eating, and the metabolism will then do its job from there. If you want to give it a shot, use my name as a promo code. They'll give you a special discount when you use the promo code Steve at Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com. We'll come back. More of the Dace Group Roundtable reviewing the week that was as we get ready to close out before a little Memorial Day weekend vacation right here on The Blaze. Stay tuned. recent episode of 60 Minutes sounded the alarm. They had the FBI's former head of cybercrimes on there warning homeowners that foreign and domestic thieves can steal your home and they can do it all online because that's where home titles and mortgages are kept in databases that can be hacked. If you've got equity in your home, and that's what they're after. Here's how they get to you. They simply forge their name onto your home's title and then use your home as the collateral to borrow against the equity that you've rightly earned. And then they end up sticking you with the payments. Uh, no bank or identity theft program can protect you from this as well, but Home Title Lock can. America's leading title and mortgage guardian will do so for just pennies a day. And you can find out right now if your home's title has been targeted or tampered with for free if you go for what's called a title scan in the accompanying report. Uh, it's free today. The title scan and report is free today at hometitlelock.com. Normally a hundred dollar value. All right. So uh, mobilize. Uh, don't don't sit on the sidelines here and wait for something bad to potentially happen. Protect the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have with hometitlelock.com, hometitlelock.com. Back here with the uh, Dace Group Roundtable, I wanted just to do a postscript on the, the answer I gave at the end on why I, there's another there, there's two other reasons there's another reason why I think you'll see quote unquote free college in the next five years. All right, um, this 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 is not a winning issue politically for any generation outside of millennial voters who are sporadic in 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 voter turnout. The, all the older generations greatly oppose it, and so the Democrats, if they were to win re-election and have a Congress, they couldn't get this done. And so if you look at it historically, you need to you need to have uh, bipartisan support to strike a grand bargain to get these kinds of things done. And I absolutely believe this is the kind of a grand bargain that precisely because he's tired of being called a racist and he cheated and he colluded with the Russians. Um, I, you know, it, it's, it's right out of art of the deal to give a faction of people who typically would be the least likely to approve of you to give them something in a negotiation to get them to look at you differently than, uh, than they previously would. And, and we've just seen, you know, whether, whether it was Medicare Part D, whether it was uh, Nixon fixing prices in the 70s, whether it was Reagan's amnesty in the 80s, typically these things have much better chances of, a, of happening when there is split government 
and the Republican has the White House and he can claim he's made some kind of a grand bargain. The other reason is, is what Shannon, you said there. It's because they're, the government is getting concerned that people are going to start bypassing the, uh, the, gov- the college education scam. The educrats won't just stand by and allow that to happen. And so the, the, the best argument against going to college is why accrue all this debt while you're, you're figuring out who you are. You know, I mean, that, that's one hell of an expensive self-actualization process. So, voila, it's free now. And you, so there's, there's, there's no objection to come. Come and learn and switch majors as many times as you want. Commenso festival. That's why we'll do it. Issue three. Back off the millennials, by the way, since we brought that up. <laughs> the research firm Dunham & Company has found some interesting statistics when it comes to millennials and church attendance. 53% of the study respondents who self-identified as evangelicals say they attend church once a week or more. However, of the three adult generations, 61% of millennial evangelicals indicated at least weekly church attendance, compared to 54% of boomers and 44% of Gen Xers. Rick Dunham, the founder and CEO of Dunham & Company, says, quote, Millennials are often believed to be disengaged with their faith, but this study shows that those millennials who identify as evangelicals are more engaged in their faith than other generations. This mirrors our study from 2017, which showed that millennials are generally as likely to engage in religious attendance compared to other generations, with this current study showing a much higher engagement among those who identify as evangelicals. So first question, Shannon, goes to you this time. How surprised are you by these survey results? I'm actually not that surprised. There was another survey that was done a couple weeks ago that indicated that the uh, millennials are having less premarital sex. They're waiting till uh, marriage or monogamy to have sex. And so, you know, this is something, this reminds me, and I've, I've always wondered about this, of, you know, the radical 60s boomers revolting against, you know, their parents who were so straight-laced in the 50s. You know, this could possibly be a generation revolting against, hmm. the you know, the godless heathenism of of the boomers, right? Everything is about sex to the point where it's creepy. You know, sex ed class, if you if you guys have been looking at what's going on in California, the national sexual education curriculums uh, that they're beginning to roll out. And I mean, some of these, I mean, they're pornographic. It's it's triple X pornographic uh, materials that they're showing kids. And so, you know, I think trying to shove the free sex, the free love and, and you know, proving that God doesn't exist, you know, that's been the, the main agenda of a lot of the boomers over the past 20 years or so. I think this is maybe just a a typical, you know, teenage revolt against your parents and everything that the the ideology that they're they're trying to shove down your throat. So I think it's a good development. So Aaron, you're the lone millennial here. What do you read into it? Uh, This does not surprise me one bit. I've said uh, often, I I just like being affirmed, actually. Uh, And this affirms really (laughs) basically what I've said multiple times is that, um, my generation has the more propensity, if they go to church at all, to be deeper and more committed. Um, however, what we are not told, and what I did not say in the montage, you say, what do you say about uh, elections, or maybe it's just primaries in particular? It's not about the slice of the pie, it's how big the, the pie is, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's what we need to be taking into account here. Now, there might be a bigger slice of the pie of millennials who are actually committed and go to church regularly and are engaged regularly, but the but but the entire piece of the pie 
from basically every single uh, report from uh, whether it's Pew or whether it's Barna, the, the, the slice of, or the, the piece of the pie of people who are actually going to church has been shrinking. So you see what I'm saying here? Sure. The bigger, the, where there's a bigger piece of pie of, of the younger gener- generation that is actually engaged, but the entire pie is quite a bit smaller than it used to be. So this doesn't shock, shock me or surprise me whatsoever, um, because it just basically confirms, I think, everything that we already knew and suspected about my generation. So I don't know, you know, if this kind of demographic data is available over in the Catholic Church, Todd, but... If you're looking for a broader application of this, just beyond what's happening in evangelicalism, what I kind of hear, because you have the Pew data up there that shows the fastest growing segment amongst his generation are, are uh, religious nuns, uh, and, but not N-U-S, N-U-N-S, yeah, yeah. N-O-N-E-S, okay? Uh, so people who are irreligious. And, and so, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about these two Americas. This is really hitting home in this millennial generation. What, what we're seeing with these two surveys between this one from Dunham and the previous one from Pew that Aaron alluded to is that the growing the group that is growing, the two groups that are growing in his generation are the irreligious and the ones who are the most serious about their faith at the same time. And so you get rid of that mushy, lukewarm, kind of moderate, uh, you know, America's civil religion as Ben Frank, or as uh, Abraham Lincoln used to call it, I believe in God, the Ten Commandments and the Constitution, therefore I'm a Christian, right? You get rid of that crowd in the millennial generation, you think there's friction now. <laughs> Narrow this down to the irreligious and the committed. Right. And you, I mean, there, there, there's no cartilage in the knee at that point. What are your thoughts? Well, regarding Catholicism, you heard our friend Nate Madden. And I don't, anybody know how old Nate is off the top of it? He's just had his first kid. So I'm guessing he's around 30. But he he said, I hang, I asked him what the group is that you hang around. And he said, I hang out around a lot of trads. Yeah, very, very traditional. And and when I look at the, the some of the younger families in my church, it 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 embodies that. Whereas when I was uh, uh, that age, it was more of this just kind of soup, uh, and and that was far less defined uh, that it is a cultural now. a cultural Catholicism. Yeah, basically. yeah. yeah. Um, I also want to answer this from a perspective of a book I read when I was in my twenties by How and Strauss called The Fourth Turning. And you, you really, it, it's about how it just goes through all of the generations of American history. Yeah. And basically, it, it just comes around every four generations and there's a resetting. And, and it, it talks about how they react uh, off of one another. And it's really informative because you, you think the status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore. And our sense of the status quo is, is, is often is limited. We have blinders on and we don't have a great historical perspective. Generations riff off each other all the time. They, it is, it is in our DNA as a nation and as a historical people. My goodness. I mean, God's providential wisdom, I think is defined. I mean, he knows us to a T and how we are going to, that generation, you're going to wander in the desert and you're going to die. And the generation that saw that happen, they're going to see differently and we're going to go on. It's why he is long suffering. He gets how we work. You're that's a, there's another, there's a theologian named DA Carson who has a similar viewpoint that, but he would say it, it op, things tend to operate on three generational cycles. What, what one generation believes, the next generation receives, and then the third generation rejects. And then, and maybe it's the same thing, the fourth generation is where things just kind of, the whole process just reboots itself again. So maybe it is kind of actually the exact same thing that, uh, that you're talking about. Let's get to the, uh, to the exit question here. Um, if I can find it, where is it? There it is. 
is. All right. True or false? Um, there will be fewer Christians among millennials than any previous American generation. But those millennials that are believers will be more serious and aggressive with their faith than their elder generations were in their time. True or false, Todd? True, perhaps to the point of martyrdom. Shannon? True. What do you think, Aaron? True. Okay. Issue four. This week's kicker, worst finales ever. A lot of fans of the HBO series Game of Thrones were disappointed by last Sunday's series finale, but I kind of think they should have known what was coming based on the trailer. I'm Arthur, King of the Britons. Whose castle is that? King of the played very well so played. great all right first question here fan disappointment over the finale of game of thrones uh the series finale continues to go viral almost a week later what's the most disappointed by a final episode of a beloved tv show that you can remember todd at the time it, it was seinfeld uh it, it i just didn't think yeah it was that that's a good one that fun they're in the back of the jail car but i i I think the more I've gotten to learn about Jerry Seinfeld's contrarianism, I I think a good deal. I mean, I think they wanted it to be funny, but they also were doing something and most of the fans weren't going to get it. But I, there's just, there's this culture of like the people that they wanted, they wish they were in Seinfeld, Seinfeld characters. And I really think Seinfeld was actually kind of a a genius. He just said, if you guys think we were good, this was going to be like a gushy friendship thing at the end. And it's like about the meaning of human life. Okay. You want the meaning of human life? We we weren't good people all along. We were just kind of, we're we're kind of a mess. And now we're going to show you how a mess we are. I think I've appreciated it more. It's still not that funny, but I think there's a message there that I, 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 I remember detesting that finale at the time. And now the montage at the end with the green days, um, what is the, is it time of my life is the song from green day. I think they play, um, whatever it's called, but at the end, um, good riddance, the good time riddance, of my life. Yeah. yeah. Good riddance yeah. is the beginning of title of that. That I remember being really cool. I remember the rest of the episode not being Shannon. What's the most you've ever been disappointed by a beloved series finale? Uh, I didn't like the series finale for the Americans. That was a huge disappointment for me. I don't know if you guys watched that, but my wife the, loved uh, that show, yeah. but she never said it, she never told me what she thought of the finale. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was it was a disappointment to me. But I, but for Game of Thrones though, here's the thing about the only people who hate the finale on Game of Thrones are liberal progressives, and it's because you know what they set up is basically just the classic story of absolute power corrupting absolutely. And you know it's interesting Elizabeth Warren, AOC, and also um, who else was it? Kirsten Gillibrand all put out statements about how disappointed because their female heroine, uh, you know, was was taken down and, and, you know, it, it just, 
I think that it's funny that it's it's the liberals, you know, they have this vision of a utopia. And if only they had all this power, maybe if they had a dragon like Daenerys, then they could save the world. It plays perfectly into their worldview and it was just totally busted. So, you know, I thought that I thought the finale was fantastic personally. Yeah, I'm not. a. I just studied the show basically the last couple of months because it was such a big topic in, among my audience. I, I thought the finale was dreadful, actually. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I, this one has a bit of a qualifier on it. I have watched Lost two times, and I'm actually right now endeavoring to watch it a third time. Uh, the first time I watched the finale of Lost, the series finale of Lost, I was really disappointed because I, the, the first time you really have to pay attention as slow as that, that show actually goes, you do kind of have to pay attention to what's going on for most of it. Um, and I just did not get the gathering. I just did not understand what was going on. The second time I watched it through, I really appreciate Well, I mean, it was it could have been better, you know, I think still. But I did actually appreciate it the, the, the second time through. But I would say the first time I watched the series and the series finale of Lost, I was probably disappointed by that the most. Seinfeld would be up there for me. Um, Smallville's probably number one for me. You spend 10 plus more than a decade. You've talked about this. That's and right, then, yeah. and Tom Welling doesn't want to wear the suit because he's worried he gets typecast and they put some terrible cheesy CGI in there at the very end for like two and a half minutes. And I, I mean, it's just, yeah, that and, and given, given where that character, where he ranks with me on a personal level to see him done that uh, level of injustice after all the time and effort that network put into that show. It, Smallville's finale would, would be the most disappointing for me. Before we get to predictions, do you have itchy ears, ear pain, or that plugged up feeling? Are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves? If these problems sound familiar, you could be like millions of Americans forced to visit the doctor for a professional ear cleaning in the near future. But now you can do it in the comfort and convenience of your own home and without a prescription as well. Thanks to our friends at WaxRx, who use a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear with a pH condition formula, just like the pros do. But now you can be one of those two. And you can try it risk-free today. Here's how. Use WaxRx, all one word. Go to the website. UseWaxRx.com. That's UseWaxRx.com. Use the offer code RADIO at checkout for free shipping. UseWaxRx.com. Offer code RADIO at checkout for free shipping. Let's do predictions. Aaron, you're first. Uh, since most of my predictions are usually terrible and nothing close to what actually happens, I predict that I will die of heat exhaustion inside the Ga Grand Canyon this uh, Sunday. Wow. So we might not even be back Wednesday then, huh? <laughs> uh, have your resumes and demo tapes ready to go, <laughs> folks, if you're looking for a job. That's what Aaron says. All right. Uh, what do you think, Todd? Uh, it is far more likely that uh, Justin Amash will not run for Congress again than it is that he will run for president. Mm. What do you think, Shannon, your prediction? I think that President Trump and the Republicans are going to successfully goad the Democrats into issuing articles of impeachment. And it's going to be the best thing that ever happened to President Trump for 2020 because it's going to be the one thing that will rally his base. I think Shannon stole basically my prediction. I completely agree. They're, they're going to have an impeachment vote up or down uh, this year in the House. They, there's, there's nothing else to do. Nothing. I mean, Trump is trying to give Democrats another FDR-level boondoggle New Deal with infrastructure spending, and they won't take yes for an answer. You saw it in the meeting yesterday. They won't take yes for an answer. 
All right. You know, I mean, he's looking for another, some major domestic accomplishment that he can run on next year that they will vote for. He's he's literally handing them a blank check out of the out of the out of the, you know, uh, the U.S. Mint. And the Democrats want to go in there and kvetch about the Mueller report. So there's there's he's more comfortable talking about that anyway, because he's more comfortable when it's all about him. Uh, they're more comfortable when it's all about him. There's nothing else. They are going. There is nothing else to do this year. And so they need something to occupy the content for the cable news networks. And I agree with Shannon. I think that this will be it. <laughs> hey, great show. Yes, the show. You bet. The show must go on. It must go on. The show must go on. Indeed. Shannon, have a great weekend. Good to see you. Appreciate you. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. We'll come back. You're welcome. Uh, a quick observation. What is what is click servitism? What is it? I'm going to give you a real world example. And then we're going to get into Theology Thursday with Hour 2 here of The Blaze on TV, radio, and podcast. Next, stay tuned. We're back here with hour two here, live and on demand, but not all that much in demand, at least according to Facebook. Yeah, this is the Steve Day Show on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. And if you are listening today via the podcast, uh, whichever podcast platform uh, is the one you prefer, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review there, if you like the show enough to do so, we would be very grateful. Thousands of you have uh, already done this for us. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of those as well. And the more of those we get, the more people like you we've got a chance to find. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We've got Theology Thursday coming up here uh, a little bit later on in the hour. Uh, also, um, we're going to give you a real time look at when we when you hear we when you hear us use phrases like click servative. And and sometimes it's it's subtle, you know, like you kind of know what the you know, you won't believe what Nancy Pelosi did next. You kind of know that part of it, right? But but that that's not the dangerous part. The real click servative stuff, where you just given you just give over any rationale for maybe one day why you ever got in this business of uh, the conservative movement to begin with, and you just you know, I mean, you just become a carnival barker, you become a caricature, you become a cheerleader, um, a clown show, and I'm going to give you an example of it uh, here in a few minutes. Uh, for those of you, the few, the proud. Those of you who are able to actually like my Facebook page and have it counted, I put it up there this morning. So you've got a bit of a head start on the conversation. But uh, one of the causes we love to support on this show is our friends at Back to Jerusalem. Uh, they want to fulfill the Great Commission, particularly in the areas that are called closed countries, like Iran, Somalia, North Korea, communist China. Uh, and they're called closed countries because these are oppressive regimes that seek to close their people off to the hope found uh, only, really, ultimately, in the word of God. Uh, and the reason why they do it is pretty simple. Two, really. One, 
is these are governments that want to pretend they're supreme, not the supreme being. And then two, you know, people that are inspired and hope-filled have a far less tendency to be tolerant of being oppressed by those who aren't. And so they need your help. Uh, they want to reach persecuted peoples in all of these countries with the Bible. Here's how they do it. They just take the actual Bible and they put it in a small form like this, about yay big, where it can be downloaded later. But in that small packaging, it makes it much easier to sneak it past the jackbooted thugs uh, in each and the stormtroopers in each of these oppressive regimes. But they need our help. Their total cost from download to delivery is about $15. All right, to reach one persecuted person in a closed country. If you think this is a well-spent, well-deserved $15 that you're willing to spend, here's what you can do. Go to the website, blazehelp.org, blazehelp.org, or you can give them a call, 844-305-0566. So we talk about click servitism. And, you know, this goes to a theme we've, we've discussed before on the show as well. This is not new, by the way. I mean, the formats are new. The formats are new. But, you know, the, the, the previous folks that ran a very prominent conservative think tank, a name you would all know, you know, they, they did a white paper, not so coincidentally timed right around the time Mitt Romney was getting ready to run for president, that suddenly government mandates, government telling you you have to buy a product that you don't want, are actually good and conservative. This is not new. Okay, this, this is not a new phenomenon. I have been pushing back against this stuff my entire career. We just kind of have a, a, a cheekier name for it now. Clickbait, clickservitism. Um, it, we've got a cheekier name for it, but it's not, it's not new. Just as all of the mainstream media with limited pockets, you know, there's, I don't even think there's 7,000 men here who haven't taken the knee to bail, maybe seven. With limited pockets, all of the mainstream media essentially acts as a stenographer for the Democratic Party and the left. The same thing goes for a lot of what you call conservative media. There's relationships. There's, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really a front for this Republican or this faction or this group of donors. This isn't new, you know. Um, in fact... I was recently, you can tell when your favorite team goes through a, a coaching search and these are all high profile nowadays and they're all over social media and you know, I'm a big Michigan fan. Our, our coach, John Beeline, resigned uh, a week and a half ago to go coach in the NBA. When your team goes through a coaching search and you go to the various Twitter accounts and, and message boards and those sorts of things and to get information, you can kind of tell by who has what information and from what angle they're delivering it, who their sources are, which particular candidate they're close to, which faction of people in the in the university community that's behind, you know, a certain style of candidate, you can tell. So th this is not a new thing. It's not a new thing that a bunch of people on the on, in, in the not left America pretending to be conservative really are nothing more than just fronts for the Republican Party. But it's often very subtle. And there's an example of it that I posted on my Facebook page today, and I want to draw your attention to it. Okay? The conservative, conservative Washington Examiner today, and they've done some really good work. I've cited it at times. But for the most part, it's a team GOP entity, and it always has been. 
So if you kind of want to know where the Washington Examiner, for the most part, stands on any given thing, whatever, whatever person or faction is in charge of the Republican Party at that given time is what they're for and what they will apologize for and what they'll explain away. And so the conservative Washington Examiner today wants us to do Javanka care. So this is the nanny state program of paid medical leave. All right. And, and get this, this is the case they made. They're making this case on the grounds that the United States is one of the only developed countries in the world that doesn't already offer this. See, who makes arguments that say, well, you know, this is what France does. You know, this is, this is what Western Europe is doing. Globalist cucks. Yeah. That, that's a, isn't that a progressive sounding argument? Well, get with the rest of the world, man. It's 2019. And yet those arguments were also one of only five countries left on earth that allow late-term abortion. Funny how those arguments never work the other way. Right. Ever notice that? Right. No, no, the, those same globalist cucks never say, you know, you don't want to be on a list with China allowing, you know, uh, and, and a bunch of these uh, third world uh, regimes allowing late-term abortion. You got to end it. Funny how it only ever works. It only ever works one way. Now, one of the things that we believe as conservatives are wor- is worthy of conserving is what's known as American exceptionalism. Define exceptional. What's the word mean? Does it mean, does it mean like everybody else? Is that what exceptional means? One no. of these things is not like... The- Better than the norm. Does it mean follower? No. Does it, does it, does it mean... Uh, Get behind thee, Satan. Does it mean? Well, that? it doesn't mean follower in terms of like sheep. It means follower in terms of stand on the shoulder of giants. That's what it means. Yes, that's a very good, important distinction. This entire argument is garbage. In fact, it's not an argument at all. You know, the other day we gave you what Facebook really meant when they said they accidentally banned uh, Candace Owens, and what it really means is. Oh, crap. We didn't know she was black. So we have to let her get away with saying this stuff. <laughs> that's really what it meant. That, that's what it really meant, right? Let me tell you what the Washington Examiner really means. What the Washington Examiner really means here is, dude, we're, we're just stenographers over here for whatever Jared Kushner wants. And, you know, Javanka wants this. So what are you going to do? Mama needs a new pair of shoes and kids got to eat, bro. That's what it means. That's what it means. When this is the only logic they have, this is their lead argument. You know what it tells you? They, they don't. They don't have any arguments. In fact, I'm, forgive me, I have to fix this. Can I fix this? I'd like to see you try. I'm going to fix this. All right. Here is how you could have really done this. We are trillions of dollars in debt and nobody cares. We have a fiat currency that as long as we have the largest nuclear arsenal on planet Earth will remain the default currency in the world, which is why nobody cares. So if we're going to go into debt for all of this other stuff, you know, let's go into debt for some pro-family legislation as well. Now that's the clickbait I would have suggested they write. Did I fix it at all? No. (laughs) Hold on. 
Is it the lesser of two evils? Did I give a better argument? If you're going to clickbait, clickbait boldly. Yes. This is lame. This is so lame. And, and the only reason they're writing this is because the people that they ultimately report to want this policy. And so this was the rationale they came up with. Except you become exceptional by not doing things um, the way everyone else in the world has precisely done them to bankrupt themselves. Unfortunately, we are doing a bunch of those things now as we speak. So, you know, this is, this is where I don't know where the constituency, the voting constituency for limited See, government, I don't know where it exists anymore. That's what drives me. Speaking of voting constituencies, they think they're reaching out to women with this. And Aaron's montage, um, it, they will take what you give them and then they will still burn you in effigy for it. That's they, right. That's the thing. Yeah, this has been going on. I used to call these taste great, less, fillings, less filling debates early in my career. And this is always how it works. Okay. So uh, Mike Lee does a video with, uh, with, uh, with Javanka. Um, you can, the government will give you some of your money back if you agree to only spend it in this amount of way. And don't we love chicks and suburban women should vote for us now. Democrats respond with, you actually hate women because we're going to just give them a flat out uh, subsidy, uh, you know, of trillions of dollars more than you're offering. And if you loved women as much as we do, um, then you would actually, you know, meet our price point. This, they never win these debates ever, ever. This, this tactic, by the way, never, never is a strong word now. All right, but this tactic actually never works politically. It just never works. It never works. So let's try it again. Let's let's fix it again. Can I try fixing it again? Sure. Here's what you do. All right. What you do is, and I, and I'm not making this part of it up. This is how when Republicans were politically shrewder, or is it more shrewd? Is shrewder a word? I don't think so. I think it's more shrewd. Huh? Shrewder. Shrewder. <laughs> It's even a better word. How about Schroederist? Does that He's work? Just full on sabotage over there. See so about to take off of the canyon and maybe grammar, never come back. Some grammar teacher's head just exploded right now. All right. When Republicans were more shrewd in that they believed they still had to be. When they when they thought they couldn't just scam you right to your face and then say, but the Democrats and we'd vote for them anyway. So when they had to be shrewd, here's what they would do. When they were in power by themselves, they wouldn't enact none of this stuff. And then when the Democrats proposed these things and were in power, they, 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 or if we had a split government, they still wouldn't take the initiative of saying, yes, we're doing this. But they would then cut some deal where they got like a uh, health savings account, religious oh. conscience clause objection that like no one will be able to access, utilize, or claim at any particular point so that they could then cut the deal claim they don't hate women and then go speak at our think tanks on how socialist the Democrats are. That's how they used to roll when they thought that they still had to lie to us as opposed to let's propose the very thing. You know, I said last hour, the Republican party is essentially where the democratic party was in the mid nineties in the mid nineties. Who was, who, this was the first time we had this debate over paid family medical leave. I remember Rush Limbaugh listening to that show every day. They laughed them off the stage with that. 
That was Bill and Hillary Clinton's proposal. That's why I, 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 when I said they were where the Democrats were in the mid nineties, I didn't just like, let me just built up a cheek squeeze went off. Still that year out there. No, I, I mean, they're literally, literally where the Democrats were in the mid nineties. That's literally where they're at. Literally. If there was ever a moment, if you were going to sell this, it could be sold right now. If you, if you just had, if you had to put lipstick on the pig, don't you just, and Donald Trump's the guy to say these things. Hey, while you guys over there are uh, talking about uh, infanticide and why everybody should pay for it, we're going to be over here supporting uh, families. And oh, by the way, and I don't know, I don't know the size of the dollar amounts here. This is Todd talking here. So apples to oranges. I don't Here's know. The good thing. But by it, the way, it, we're going to take, we're going to take Planned Parenthood money over here and we're going to give it to paid family leave. Now, if you had to do it, that's how you do it because that's showmanship and people are on their last nerve with this stuff and you would paint a stark contrast that would uh, ultimately allow people to think about something that's life and death and maybe forget a little bit the fact that uh, this is uh, another uh, bill that everybody else has to pay. But if you're going to do it, that's how you do it. It's funny you went there because I almost tweeted something almost exactly like this, but about the life issue this morning. And I decided not to do it for fear that if I put it out there in the ether. They do it. They do it. <laughs> yep. And um, let's just keep this between us, just here on the show. All right. So here's what I was going to tweet this morning. All right. Come close to your audio listening device. I don't want to say this too loud. All right. So here's what I was going to tweet this morning. I even had the tweet written. And before I hit send, I'm like, don't give him any ideas. I love those tweets. I love the internal dialogue in my head during those moments. Yes. I'm like, some consultant's going to read that. And I'm like, you're going to be gone for a week. And so they can claim the whole idea was theirs. All right. And I, here was what I was going to tweet this morning. I was going to say, hey, if we actually had a shrewd Republican Party, they would actually try to have both sides of the life debate right now while claiming they're pro-life with all these exceptions and not radical like the, the Alabama bill. And you'd have Cocaine Mitch up there would put a bill on the floor right now that would put a nationwide injunction against abortions after 20 weeks with all these various politically correct exceptions and get the Democrats to all vote no on it so that next year during the election they can say, well, we agree that, you know, those bills like what you saw in Alabama and Missouri and Georgia are too radical. We tried to come up with a moderate solution and the Democrats wouldn't take us up on that. Right. And so they actually don't do anything on the life issue at all, but they just find a way to basically campaign on both ends of it in the same election cycle. Huh? You didn't hear that, did you? Yeah, no. Okay. All right. Let's keep that between us. Oh, I'm sure they were way ahead of you on that one. Doing nothing and looking like you're doing something. That's, that's ditch. That, yes. Yes, it is. I, I just don't know, though, back to the previous conversation. I don't think there is a constituency group for limited government yes. voters. I don't right. think they exist. But if you're going to do this level of click servitism, you got to have a better reason than that. Okay. You can't, you can't be so ham-fisted that you're just like, well, we want to be like France, all right? That, that, you, can't, you can't move our people that way, all right? You got to find some way to own the libs here, 
rather than become the libs. You can't do that. Aaron, you were saying, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was specifically regarding this subject matter, which this clickbait failed to um, adu- adequately clickbait uh, the heck out of. I was, uh, I generally, you know, go to sleep listening to something on YouTube, usually has to do with outer space because I get bored so quickly and then I go to sleep. And before one of those videos, there was an advertisement. And sometimes, sometimes Prager U will come on there and that's kind of cool. Um, but there's a new one that came on there. It was called Friedman Fundamentals. It was a little animated um, program uh, just with some of uh, Milton Friedman's hmm. uh, principles. And I thought it – I I don't – there's mixed feelings about Milton, Milton Friedman generally, I know. Ronald but Reagan's he, favorite economist. Well, yeah. Um, but he basically – you know, it was a – it was a um, – um, kind of, it, it was in general terms, kind of a smackdown on on larger government and mm-hmm. how people can, um, you know, evade our in, in, kind of a smackdown on our tax system as well. And I'm like, God bless you. These are really catchy, but there's absolutely no audience for this whatsoever. Um, now that can change, but we're so it's so ingrained into our culture, and it has been for generations. Um, that we're just, yeah, yeah. Somebody else will pay for this government, uh, this government pork for me or for, um, you know, people that I wanted to get to. I don't know how you bust out of that without a kind of a, re- a cultural reboot, um, or revival. It, it's just so pervasive. So I don't think it really, I don't, I don't think the, the better argument can be made. It's just like, yeah, no, we should we should definitely be like other countries and give this because it's just so ethereal to people. Money is just like other people's money. OPM is just so ethereal. It's like yes. yeah, let's just let's just throw some money at that. We got a lot of money. We can. I, just I saw this again. I hate to draw my favorite team as a parallel here. I can't tell you how many times I heard people call the the talk shows back home in Michigan, or 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 post this on the various uh, Michigan sports websites I frequent. Uh, just back up the Brinks truck, man. You're Michigan, and uh, uh, pay Billy Donovan twenty million a year. Well, where are you going to get that money? Where's it going to come from? Obama's stash. Yes, and I, I, I do think there is something to that. In the in a ninety day same as cash, six months, no interest, no money down. Um, you know, uh, in in that sort of a society, I do think people have. Law and, and listen, we have a government that has a fiat currency. What do I mean by a fiat currency? Meaning there isn't there isn't a a tangible commodity backing up the value of the paper that we're printing. You know, whether it's a a gold, for example, if you've heard the term the gold standard, that's really what that meant. That gold was the tangible asset that backed up the value, determined the value of what the the dollar was just a piece of paper. And the dollar is still the standard international yes. currency as and well, which yes. allows people, which allows our lawmakers and allows our feds to just get away with printing more of it. And that, I mean, the Federal Reserve was essentially created, folks, to grease the skids, to create a fiat currency, to give government the ultimate power outside of market forces to coin money and where to and where to appropriate and appropriate it and where to spend it. That, that's, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, that, that's that's why we are here in the first place. And, and so I, that, and again, it goes to why whenever I've been asked if I could initiate one government policy, 
If I, if, if, I, if I decreed one law that had to be law, what would it be? It would be, I would end paycheck withholding. I'd make everybody in America, every adult, write that check to Uncle Sam about how much they're actually spending. Because I think most of us have, are, are really clueless about it. We don't even look. We don't even look at the gross of our, of our checks. We look at the net. Like, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I don't really know. I have to ask my wife whenever I apply for something or um, I have to submit something that reports my income. I don't really actually know what my income is. I know what my take home on my check is on the 1st and the 15th here, you know, but I don't actually know gross how much money I made last year because we're all conditioned this way to think this way. They get the, the government gets its take first and then we get ours. And if that's why, if you're going to do click servative and I get it, man, sometimes you gotta, you gotta take one for the home team. I totally get it. I'm somewhat sympathetic even, you know, I get it. We're stenographers here for whoever, whichever Republicans are in charge and the Republicans that are in charge right now, uh, co-president Jared Kushner wants this. So I got to, I got to lobby for this here on the pages of the conservative Washington examiner. Totally get it. Come up with a better reasoning than let's, let's be like Western Europe and be legends. I mean, why don't you just slap that headline on it? Would that have been a more believable headline? Let's be like Western Europe and be legends. At least that's honest. Is that fixing it now? Have I fixed it with brutal honesty? No. <laughs> what would fix it to you? What would fix it to you? I already said it. I mean, the, 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 in this moment, it, it's it's because of this moment. You, you would say, we, we are for babies, not killing babies. We are defunding Planned Parenthood in order to fund this. Mm. That's a pretty good argument. I should have told you that when you said it five minutes ago. It's pretty good. But the problem is most of the people that want to do Javanka care in your party don't want to defund Planned Parenthood though either. I, I and, and Javanka doesn't want to defund Planned Parenthood either. I know. You know, so it's my, but that's a you, good option, you win. but it's not, it's not an option. So give me another, a, a, a realistic these, option oh, to well, fix None it. of these are options. Yeah. I, there are no realistic options to fixing this. What would happen? Who would stand up and say anything? Given how far left the Democrats are. Do you have, because I would be one of these voters that's doing this mental math myself. That's why I asked the question. When one political party says, if we win the election next year, we're going to do everything we can to put you all in jail for your beliefs. Do you have the luxury of worrying about how much Javanka cares? Javanka care cost at that point. I'm not saying the answer is you still do. I'm, at, I'm I don't know what the answer is. But see, these are the formulas that I think a lot of people, unless you're orange man bad or Cheeto Jesus saves, I think these are the formulas all of the rest of the American voters are going to be asking themselves next year, which is how much of what we're talking about do I have to be willing to put up with? Because over here, you guys have a loaded gun pointed right at my head at point blank range. No, I agree. What, 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 what disturbances and, and controversies and complaints am I, do I have the luxury of bemoaning given the realization that 
um, they're about to complete Antonio yep. Gramsci's long march through the institutions. And I don't know the answer no. to that, it, but I think this is where a lot of people are navigating this path that I just articulated right here. It's that, and then there's a constituency group. It, this is kind of out of Tucker Carlson's uh, playbook. Uh, it, you know, people are, are tired of, uh, even though there might not be a base, but for those who still believe this way, adding one more thing to the fire. But if you stripped it all down, and forget about the federal government. Let's just talk about the state government. Paid family leave is it? You know, it, it is pro family. Babies are living. You know, it is it is something that is at least tangibly related to an authentic conservatism. So there's groups like that that also wouldn't like like man. I this would not even be close to on the top of my list of cares about government overreach spending that you're normally doing it to say a guy is a girl and a girl is a guy and taking over bathrooms and th this is a, a husband and a wife and a baby i can roll with that so there's that too are you one of the millions of americans who have just decided with all this chronic pain i'm gonna have to live with it uh there may be a solution for you so many of us, and now I would add my name to the list here at The Blades, have become success stories with a product called Relief Factor. It's 100% drug-free, yet it's created by doctors. And that's the thing I love about it, is it's created by the folks who can prescribe drugs. And then realized, ultimately, you've got to have healing in the body. The body was made, except for the case of injury or extreme injury, the body was made to heal itself. The reason you have all this chronic pain is there is an abundance of inflammation in the body. You need some help fighting that inflammation. And that's where Relief Factor comes in. Four key natural ingredients that help your body win the fight against inflammation. And right now you can try the trial pack for three weeks for basically a dollar a day. It's $19.95. So for 20 bucks, what have you got to lose? Except hopefully, maybe, finally, all of that chronic pain. All right. So fight that battle. Uh, go in to the arena against that inflammation in the body with a fully loaded weapon. It's called Relief Factor. All you've got to do uh, to get this three week quick start program for 20 bucks is visit the website, relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. All right. Here, when we come back after the break, Theology Thursday, we are going to answer a question from a listener. And the reason why we are only going to spend a segment. Um, on Theology Thursday this week is because the question he's asking us is a very important one. But it doesn't really require that long of an answer. I'll explain when we come back here in a moment. Live and on demand here on The Blaze. It's the Steve Day Show. Keep it tuned right here. Well, a lot of you are familiar with uh, one of America's favorite Bible verses, uh, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Yeah, it's actually not. It's actually not uh, not in the Bible. First Osteen, right? <laughs> First Osteen. Indeed, yes. And there's never a last Osteen because it just keeps evolving. Yeah, indeed. Ah, never. We could do this all day. Indeed. We should one day. <laughs> yes. Yes, just come in here and just have no, no plan other than just uh, trying to top each other with uh, ever-evolving um, uh, ever uh, snark, just one one blast on top of the other, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Epic rap battles, but with like three white guys. And basically. now it's ruined. 
Anyway, uh, that's nowhere in the Bible, but uh, the scriptures do make it clear we are to be good stewards of that which uh, God has provided. One of those things is uh, the temple of the body. And for a lot of Americans these days with the busy lifestyles we have, the way that a lot of our food is mass produced, you know, the, the, the things that nature through our creator put in our foods, particularly our, our fruits and vegetables, our whole foods, uh, those things are missing from a lot of our lifestyles today, which is why we're taking so many supplements because we don't have the prebiotics and probiotics and antioxidants, all those things that are huge immunity boosters, like one of the biggest immunity systems in the entire body is the gut, you know? And so uh, you you take and strip your diet of a lot of those whole foods and you're going to have to uh, supplement what you're missing with those foods elsewhere. That's where our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition come in with their product called Field of Greens. It is real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. So these are whole foods that are going to put back in your body uh, the things that are missing from a lot of American diets today. And it, these are this, these are actual foods. It's not a supplement. That's why when you turn the label over, it doesn't say supplement facts. It says nutrition facts. If you want to try it today, it tastes great. doesn't have all the sugar that, you know, there's things you can buy at the store that do some of the same things, like those naked juices, but don't look at the sugar line because you'll you'll choke when you see how much sugar's in there. This doesn't have any of that stuff, all right? And it tastes just as good. You can try it yourself today. BrickhouseSteve.com. Get 15% off of your first order when you use my name, Steve, as a promo code when you go to BrickhouseSteve.com. All right, let's get to Theology Thursday as we close it out before we head out for an extended weekend for a little uh, Memorial Day weekend vacation. We're going to answer a question from one of our listeners, Rodney Holcomb. And he asks... I'd really like to see you guys discuss your thoughts on progressive Christians. The reason why, this is a very important question, but there's a reason why we're, we waited until the last segment to tackle it. Because there's a very simple answer to this. Why do you call me Lord if you do not do what I say? We're done here? I mean, we're done. That's, can we go early? That's I mean, the weekend? I mean, are we, yeah. Aaron needs to get a head start. Yeah, I mean, Ron yeah. and Christian, can you take it from here, basically? <laughs> but I mean, this is <laughs> this is nice. Ron says, I got the best of ready to go. Um, here's the thing. In general, I wouldn't say it's a hard and fast rule. But in general, when someone puts a qualifier on their faith, and I'm going to say this exclusively as it relates to Christianity, and here's why. The, the root word of Christianity is what? What is the root word of Christianity? Christ. Yes. All right, so therefore, what is Christianity based on? Him. Yeah. All right, and so this, may, this, is, this is unique of, of any religious viewpoint. There's a uniqueness here where it is, it is based upon the ministry, the works, the resurrection, the life, the death. I am the way. I am the, the reign truth. of I Jesus Christ. Life. Yes. So who defines, therefore, what Christianity is? He did. Yeah. And does. And does. Both, correct. Okay. Is is it's the classic seminary, you know, university question. Is God transcendent or imminent? Yes. All right. Yes, he he is, he did and still does. Right. All right. So, 
the minute you walk in as a Christian, I can't speak um, for, you know, other religious systems, you know, um, I've got tons of Jewish friends and contacts in, uh, in conservative political circles and, you know, and I'll, and there's reform Judaism and Orthodox Judaism and Hasidic and liberal. I, and I get, I, and, and that's, that's a different argument, but in over here, a lot of what, a lot of what, um, separates Orthodoxy and Christianity separates orthodoxy and various other religions too. But there's a uniqueness in the source of orthodoxy of Christianity. All right? And and when you put a disclaimer on something as a Christian, I'm any kind of I'm I'm a blank Christian. When you do that, you're in my view, regardless of what that is, this is why I have to, I've tried over the years to stop calling myself or using terms like conservative Christian, except when we're talking explicitly in a political sense about a voting demographic, okay? Because the minute you as a human being put a disclaimer, something before to illustrate or emphasize something in your Christianity, you are claiming ownership of something that does not belong to you. You are the follower here, not the followee. You're not the preceder. You're the follower. You're not the teacher. You're the disciple. And so the the teacher decides what things mean. And now, we're also all human. And so we're not none of us have a perfect holistic systemic theology. And we actually wouldn't even know what that is because we'd have to ultimately judge one another to determine that. And then who, who are, when we judge one another to determine that, who are we really making the ultimate judge here? Ourselves. And that's why, that's why Christ, who Christianity is based on, said, hey, the best way to win that game is don't play it. You know a tree by its fruit. So the uh, color-coded rapture chart guy didn't have a perfect systematic Does theology? Not. Even if his eschatology is true, I'm sure somewhere, if we discuss 30 theological issues with him, at least somewhere, he is wrong. Okay? So that's why Jesus said, you guys can't do that. You're human. That's my job. And if you want to know who's, whose life I've got my hand on, whose life I'm working in, even though they may have a couple of cocky mammy answers to something like this over here. But if you need, if you want to know, you'll know a tree by its fruit. A good, only a good tree can produce good fruit. My sheep, Jesus says, hear my voice. So, he determines those things, and they are predetermined. As a follower, now this is going to be a really controversial statement I'm about to make, okay? As a follower, I'm going to pause for a second. I want to just, I think it's really important everybody takes a deep breath because I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to leave you with a really difficult assertion right as we head out the door for a long weekend, okay? Are you ready? Ready? 
as a follower, you should seek to follow. Indeed. As a follower, you, you, you should be following. And that's all I got to say about that. Okay, so if, if you, and we're all, by the way, following after something or somebody, it's just a matter of whether it's the right thing or person to be following after. If you are constantly contradicting the things that Christ has said have been defined, you're probably not a Christian. You can use whatever label you want, you know, you can call yourself Crisco Twister, whatever. It Being you know, supreme. Yeah, it, it it doesn't make it true. Why do you call me Lord? Jesus says, if you do not do what I say. Now, this doesn't mean we have to have a perfect attendance record or perfect behavioral record. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. He went to that cross, knowing all the sins we've all ever committed, we all are committing right now. And we'll all commit in the future. And then he did it anyway. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever will believe in him does not perish but has eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that through him the world may be saved. That's John 3.17 that we close our show with every episode. But as a follower, when you fall off the path, of the one you're following. Should you stay down and think, you know, if I stay down in this muddy pit long enough, he'll follow after me and do what I want him to do. No. Again, student, teacher, superior, inferior. Lord, person. God, not you. So, no. When you fall off the path... If you're an earnest follower, you know what you should seek to do is to get back up and get back on the path. Because while you may not be perfect, your greatest desire is to follow. So my big ideas today for Theology Thursday are Christ determines what Christianity means and if you're a follower of Christ, you should follow. Your thoughts, gentlemen? I love these conversations. Uh, you, can't, you can't lose. Uh, the, the people who come to me often and want to debate uh, politics or something like that, if I can, I, I, I don't want to bludgeon with it, but it, almost always the opportunity will be there because they are talking about what they believe to be their moral underpinnings uh, that you must accede to, otherwise you're the terrible person. So I will. Oh, okay, well, are you a Christian? Because I, I, I know that oftentimes a lot of, you will have a chance that they will say yes, and then you you get to hold them to that the rest of the conversation, and it is remarkably difficult for them. And you can just let grace take over from that by holding on to that and watching them do the humana hominas and the yeah buts the unavoidable truth of what you've said why 
do you claim him as your Lord and not listen to him? It, it is so powerful. It, it, it puts aside so much opportunity for so much of the nonsense in terms of the talking points. Make the main thing the main thing. Let the lion out of its cage. And it reminds me, I've been a part of these, both, you know, more off the air than on the air. But Steve was a part of a remarkable example of this. Um, I don't know how many years ago. We might be going back a decade, Steve, when you were on a local television show. It was like one in a chair. Oh, and he yeah. asked you about gender, if I'm mistaken. And the look on his Face. He was neutered for the rest of that interview because you held him accountable in a way. He asked me. He asked me two questions. He asked me, "Do I think homosexuals ought to be able to serve in the U.S. military openly?" And I said, "I think every bodied, able-bodied male and female who has a desire to serve and is capable of fulfilling the requirements and honoring the uh, uniform code of military justice ought to be able to voluntarily serve." And then he asked me again, "Well, what about homosexuals? Should they be able to serve?" I gave the exact same answer. I believe every male and female. He asked me again. I said, do you know of a third? I, I mean, I'm, yeah, all, this is what I'm all about. human beings are male or female. Well, you keep, I, I've addressed literally every possible right. human being in America. Do you, if you know some third classification of, of phylum, of, of homo sapiens, don't waste time talking to me. I mean, you're sitting on a potential, the scientific discovery of the age, you yes. know, get out of here. You know, and then he asked me, well, do you have any family members who are gay? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't typically call my family members up at night and say, hey, who are you having sex with? I mean, I don't, I don't believe in violating people's privacy like that. Do you? And he didn't know where to go. He didn't know where to go um, along the lines of what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a conversation that we have had, I think, numerous times now, and it's always, always worth resetting. And I, I think to give uh, the emailer the, the biggest benefit of the, of the doubt, I'm sure they probably mean, um, you know, it, people, people who identify as Christians but are just fine with um, abortion and uh, air quotes, LGBTQIA, whatever, rights, uh, all of the progressive uh, left uh, Things, but they still go to church on Sundays. They still go to a church. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's what the emailer uh, emailer means. That that still fits in with this because by on what basis are any of our if you are a cons, uh, a conservative and a Christian by what basis are you coming to your political and soci, uh, social and societal conclusions about what's best for the human condition? By what basis are you coming to those? We believe that our faith even the origins of this country, and we've been over this multiple times, that's informed by a right understanding of man's relationship with his creator, not a faulty one. We arrive at these conclusions about what's best for the human condition as conservatives by one, I mean, you can... You can try to try to do a um, a secular conservative conservatism uh, by just making it into strictly a science and looking at at, at what works best for the human condition. But if you have eyes to see, you will always see that it aligns with a right uh, interpretation of God's will for us. And how do we know what that is? Well, we find that from God's word because He tells us in His in His words, and so. I, to, to kind of bring this all together, you cannot identify, in I don't think in any way, with things that are uh, uh, not of the Lord 
and still identify yourself with the Lord. We all have blind spots. We all have struggles. But to publicly identify yourself, gay Christian, black Christian, white Christian, um, just to put yourself in a camp, you are diminishing. Once you start hyphenating Christianity, you are diminishing Christianity and the root word of Christianity, which is, of course, our Savior. When we come to the Lord, we identify with him first and foremost and not anything else. Right. I mean, if you're still trying to hold on to your identity apart from Christ, you know, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I mean, you, I don't know how many more of the key aspects of the relationship Christ demands that you can continually de- 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 neglect and defy and still believe you are a Christian. Final thought here today, gentlemen, uh, before we get to that, uh, if you're in the real estate market here this spring, summer, make sure you check out realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a company and website Glenn Beck and his associates started a few years ago, tired of real estate agents who talked a good game and then didn't deliver the uh, desired results when needed the most. And they learned, really, you're looking for an agent who checks three boxes. Number one, a a clear track record of successfully navigating uh, the real estate market and process. Number two, uh, someone who looks at the data but understands you got to go beyond the algorithm and look at outliers as well. Don't spare the details. And then thirdly, someone who's courteous, returns calls, you get along with. I mean, this is a very relational and stressful process. The better the relationship the less that you'll have more stress than you already are going to have anyway. So if you're looking for an agent worthy of you that you can trust, go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Final thoughts. Well, my final thought is that my hope uh, on Monday that we would no longer be talking about uh, Justin Amash is clearly not going to happen because- It's Wednesday, so we're definitely not talking about that. I just, well, I just saw- Tweet storm yeah. that he put out. Oh, did he put one out? He put one out. Offering so. some specifics? All right, yep. I'll take a look at it when we get off the air. Yeah. Okay. We're going to be talking about it. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wednesday. Things, <laughs> stories True. that happened a month True. ago seem like they were see, 10 years ago, right? Thank you. Everybody have a great five days. We'll be back on Wednesday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.